Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. The first time I saw The Last Man on Earth was on a local television station in my area growing up. It started probably around 8 o'clock at night, and this was during the summer. So it stayed lighter long, and I tended to want to watch horror movies later in the evening so I wouldn't be all freaked out when it got dark. I had watched the film and really enjoyed it. I thought Vincent Price was excellent in it. Now, I'd watched this in my room on my little black and white TV. When I finished, I went downstairs to get a drink, and afterwards my mother asked me had I remembered to walk the dog. I had gotten so wrapped up in the movie, I completely spaced on the normal walk I took the dog after they ate. So... It's getting dark. I have this horror movie in my mind. I leash the dog up and I take him out. Now I used to take my dog on two routes. One, which is the more populated route, went around the block. And in my town, there was a house every five feet. There was no big open lots when you walked around the block. But there was also down by the river. I don't know why, but for some reason, I guess I thought the night was pretty nice. I thought I owed it to the dog. I decided to walk down by the river. We go to the edge of this field and walking him around. And then just out of the corner of my eye, I start to see things. What looks like people walking around. I instantly start thinking about the last man on earth. And these figures started to seem a lot more sinister. Now I wanted to go at this point, but I still had to finish walking the dog. So I tried to walk away from that area, but staying in the field, kind of turning around. The dog was not cooperating too much. I kept looking over my shoulder and the figures were coming closer and closer. I was about to start running when I heard my name yelled. Now, normally you hear your name yelled, you think, well, it's my buddy, my friend, maybe a family member. For some reason, this creeped me out even more, and I took off. I'm pulling the dog with me. He looks at me and goes, all right, we're running. Starts booking ahead of me, pulling me along. Of course, the next day, I found out it was my friends who made fun of me for being afraid of them. And I think that demonstrates just how good of a horror-slash-science-fiction movie The Last Man on Earth is. It makes your mind wander, and you start thinking of this sort of dystopian world and what it would be like to inhabit it. And if you get stuck in that world in your mind for too long, you might start seeing it in the real world. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about The Last Man on Earth. We'll talk about the book it's based on, the author behind it, the people in front of and behind the camera, the attempts to turn this story into other films that have happened over the years, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. The Last Man on Earth is a 1964 sci-fi horror film 
It is based on the Richard Matheson novel I Am Legend from 1954. It was directed by two people, Ubaldo Ragona and Sidney Salkow, and it stars primarily Vincent Price. The script was written by a couple of people, William Lester, Furio M. Manetti, Ubaldo Ragona, and Richard Matheson himself, the writer of I Am Legend, who would work on lots of other great stuff, including The Twilight Zone. We'll talk about him in a few minutes. He did not like the way this movie was turning out, sadly, but he still wanted to get paid for his work, so he is credited as Logan Swanson in the film. Richard Burton Matheson was born in 1926. He just passed away in 2013. He's an American author, screenwriter, primarily does science fiction, horror, born in New Jersey. He's probably best known for the book I Am Legend, which has been adapted for the screen multiple times, although he wrote some other great stuff that has also been turned into films, including A Stir of Echoes, What Dreams May Come, The Shrinking Man, and Bid Time Return, which was done as Somewhere in Time. He very famously wrote for Rod Serling's The Twilight Zone, including the classics Nightmare at 20,000 Feet and Steel. I Am Legend, specifically, is famous because it really was the genesis for the development of the zombie genre and showing it as part of a dystopian apocalypse caused by a disease. Producer Anthony Hines wanted to produce Matheson's story for Hammer Productions, which is a British film company, and Matheson would write a script, but the censors in Britain would not allow it, so Hines would sell the script to Robert Lippert, who was Hammer's guy in the U.S. Now, Lippert went to Matheson and said, we're still going to do this, but we're going to get director Fritz Lang to direct it, which that's not so bad. Matheson was excited, but that never happened. And Sidney Salkow was brought on to direct it. And to save money, they moved the film to Italy and would shoot it with mostly an Italian crew and cast, including its co-director, Ubaldo Ragonia who was born in 1916, he passed away in 1987, screenwriter and filmmaker, probably best known for The Last Man on Earth, and 1966's The Sweet Smell of Love. The other director was Sidney Salkow, who was an American director with over 50 motion picture credits, also worked in television and as a screenwriter. Born in 1911, he passed away in 2000. He directed films like The Zero Hour, The Golden Hawk, Sitting Bull, and of course The Last Man on Earth. On TV, he directed TV series like Lassie, The Addams Family, and The Cisco Kid. The film takes place in 1968, and we meet Dr. Robert Morgan, who's played by Vincent Price. He wakes up every day and goes out hunting for basically vampires, or what we would refer to as vampires, people who can't be out in the daylight. And then we slowly start to find out what happened to him through flashback sequences there had been a plague that was starting to kill people, but when they died, they would come back to life. So anybody who died was supposed to be cremated. When Morgan's family passes away, he buries them, they come back, attack him, and he realizes he's immune to the bacteria that's plaguing all these people because he had been bit by a vampire bat when he was in Panama years earlier. Eventually, the people that he's been killing, and they are, in a way, alive, decide to come after him and... The film basically ends with him being taken down by these people and screaming how they are all freaks and he is the last man on earth. And you're left wondering, what the heck's happening here? Who's the villain? And I think that's the purpose of this film. 
and the story to make you wonder who really is the bad guy was he going around killing basically innocent people and these are themes that are explored in every one of the remakes of this film and in the book but i'll let you watch it work that out for yourself after these messages we will return feel right at home. I want to teach you a game called, amusingly enough, Stay Alive. It's quite deadly. To win, you eliminate your opponents like this, or they eliminate you. It's great fun. I'd be happy to teach you how to play, but there's no one left. I'm the sole survivor. Stay Alive from Milton Bradley. Oh, I do enjoy an evening with a little light entertainment. But when your video heads get dirty, you lose your picture. Not a pretty sight. Happily, this new Polaroid video cassette will help you. It actually cleans your heads as it plays, so dirty heads needn't haunt you. New Polaroid video cassettes. Get the picture? And now... Back to the show. There are some differences between the film and the novel. First of all, the protagonist of the novel is named Robert Neville, not Robert Morgan. In the book, he's not a scientist. They made him that in the movie, I guess, to make it more convincing that he could figure stuff out. The film also changes the vampires to be slow-moving and zombie-like, and that'll be important later when we talk about its influences. In the book, they're fast and very capable. There's also a lot of scenes involving dogs, and that's handled a little bit different in the movie and the book. The biggest difference would probably be in the way it ends. In the book, Neville is captured and he doesn't get killed right away. He's going to kind of be executed, and it shows that these vampires had come up with a new society and he's going to be killed because he's been the one preying on all of them he is a creature of myth and legend scary now a little bit about this cast vincent price played dr robert morgan a casting decision that richard matheson was not happy with vincent price jr was born in st louis he made his screen debut in 1938 Eventually, after doing lots of minor roles in non-horror, he would start performing in low-budget horror films such as The House of Wax and The House of Usher. He would then go on to make tons of classics, including The Abominable Dr. Fibes. He was also a great appreciator of food and art. Sadly, he passed away in 1993 at the age of 82. Franca Batoya played Ruth Collins, probably best known to American audiences for her work in The Last Man on Earth. But she worked in a lot of Italian films before The Last Man on Earth, and several afterwards. Emma Daniela played Virginia Morgan, started as an actress in commercials. Her first movie was We the Women in 1953. She also worked in the Corsican Brothers, not the classic Cheech and Chong version, but the 1961 version. Rounding out the cast, you had Giacomo Rossi Stewart as Ben Cortman, Umberto Rejo as Dr. Mercer, Christy Cortland as Kathy Morgan, Ettore Rabota as the TV reporter, and Antonio Corevi as the governor. Music in the film was provided by Paul Sautel. Sautel, born in 1906, he passed away in 1971. 
began his career with RKO and moved to Universal Pictures, where he worked on a lot of films, including the Sherlock Holmes films and horror films like The Pearl of Death and The Scarlet Claw. In the 50s, he created some music for some great science fiction and horror films, including The Fly, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, It, The Terror from Beyond Space. Then in the 60s, he would work with Russ Meyer on the cult classic Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, his best-known composition, though, was probably the main theme for the TV series Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Bert Schefter, who was a Russian-born film composer, born in 1902, he passed away in 99. He struck up a partnership with composer Paul Sawtell, and they did several things together, including most of the stuff that I mentioned for Sawtell. After Sawtell passed away, he would work on two additional films, the Gatling Gun in 1973, a movie I must have watched a dozen times on the Sunday afternoon movie, and Revenge of the Fists of Fury in 1975. When the film was released, it wasn't considered a big success, but would later become a cult classic and is pretty well received nowadays. Now, as I said, there were other films that were based on the book I Am Legend. This was the first, the 1964 film. In 1971, The Omega Man was released. It starred Charlton Heston as Robert Neville. It is a strange movie. I like The Last Man on Earth better, but The Omega Man has some camp value, and Charlton Heston is way over the top in it, which makes it kind of fun to watch. In 2007, I Am Legend, starring Will Smith, came out. It is sort of a mix of the original book, The Last Man on Earth, and The Omega Man. It all comes together, but it kind of gets drowned out in the CGI. Generally not the most well-received film. Around the same time, a, another film called I Am Omega was rushed into production to get out before I Am Legend came out. It is sort of a riff on the original idea of the story, but if you're looking for an I Am Legend type thing, this is a movie to avoid. In the 1990s, director Ridley Scott showed an interest in bringing I Am Legend to the screen. Eventually what we would get is the 2007 version, but that all started back here Several actors were considered for the role, Tom Cruise, Mel Gibson, Michael Douglas. In the late 90s, Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached to be in it. The movie would have been a mix of psychological thriller and science fiction, and would have very little dialogue in the first hour, and a very dark ending. The studio is starting to worry about that sort of dark ending, and its lack of what could be commercial appeal. The budget also started to escalate. It hadn't even started, and it was estimated to be about $108 million. They tried to do rewrites to reduce the budget, but in March of 98, the studio canceled the project. Schwarzenegger would try to revive the project in 2002. He became the producer of I Am Legend and tried to get Michael Bay to direct and Will Smith to star. The film would go through many changes at this point. Guillermo del Toro was approached to direct but he said he wanted to direct Hellboy 2. It's an interesting story of how a film could morph, and you can find many articles about it written online. It's interesting to see what it started out as and the people attached to it, and then eventually we get to see the finished product, which is rare in Hollywood when you have something that goes through 10 years of development. After these messages, we will return. Here at the bank, we've discovered a fascinating pastime. Hangman. Each player puts a word here. Wrong window. Then they try to guess each other's words. L. Nope. G. No. Endorse it. Q. Uh-uh. R. Right. A. Nope. L. No. 
Ed, wrong bank. If you have a little time to kill, get... Hangman! I won't! I can't play with these interruptions. Hangman from Milton Bradley. Hello, I'm Vincent Price. For many years now, mankind and his offspring have been searching for an alternative to peanut butter and jelly. After employing the latest methods in technology, the Peter Paul Candy Company has found the alternative to peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter with no jelly. Pure, creamy peanut butter dotted with Krispies, covered with pure milk chocolate, but no jelly. I'm sure you're as pleased as I am. <laughs> and now, back to the show. If you are interested in owning I Am Legend, it's available on DVD for 6 bucks. It is also posted on YouTube in both a black and white and colorized version. Yes, it was colorized. It's interesting to see the colorized version, but I think the black and white really adds to the eeriness of the film. The film might not have been about zombies, but it has a zombie feel to it. And as I said, they were very slow moving in the film. And that became an influence on a very important person in the zombie world, George Romero. And he has acknowledged that The Last Man on Earth was an influence on him when he was making Night of the Living Dead. And numerous critics at the time even saw that when Night of the Living Dead came out, that it seemed to be influenced by the story. So perhaps without I Am Legend and this version that was made in Italy on the cheap, we might not have the zombies we have today. Perhaps if we had seen the version that Matheson had wrote himself, Romero might have gone to see that one, and he might have never been inspired. Or maybe zombies were always in the back of his head anyway, with dystopian worlds and zombie plagues and apocalypses being so popular. It's a really interesting time to look back where all that started from. And it's magical to think that this billion-dollar zombie industry that's going nowadays could have started from a little film shot in Italy to save money. But if you watch it, I think you'll see a lot of the influences. Plus, you'll probably be very entertained because it's a great film. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. On today's show, I'd like to... This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.